0: everybody WWE Crown Jewel proudly presented by Tap Out Talk results and thoughts let's get in everybody fuck it up. it was a night of excitement it was a night where the WWE maybe just did a little bit more for the show across the pond over in Saudi Arabia I would like to personally say this is a night where you guys would think that Logan Paul had no business being in a WWE title match, this famous YouTuber, just because it's his third match ever. But it's been a roller coaster. And I tell you what, this is a night where WWE, I believe, proved that sometimes it's not a matter of winning the championship. It's a matter of just winning the fans. And there's only a few moments in your career where you get to truly have those win-the-fan moments. Tonight, that's what Logan Paul was going for. He was not going for a championship, make no mistake about it. He was going to win over the fans. That is what he could have gotten done, best-case scenario. And I'm proud to say that I feel he completely delivered against the Roman Tribal Chief. The Empire, that is, Roman Reigns. Other matches, we get into a battle of the monsters, we got some women's action, and we also got a main opening match with Lesnar versus Lashley, part two. But without further ado, let's go ahead and start. I'm your host, Brian, the hype, Ballard, and like we say around here, let's get in. I want to start off, the show starts off very quickly with Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. And I will say, I love this choice. I love that we started off right out hot out the gates with this Battle of the Brutes. So, I do want to point out though, at the beginning of the show, the WWE accidentally spoiled two major returns tonight two major returns in the women's division. Sasha Banks and Naomi included in the opening video package by accident on Crown Jewel. Maybe possibly spoiled something coming up this week or next week on Raw or SmackDown. But in regard of that, let's go ahead and continue. We get Titus O'Neil opening a narrating video package about really just how awesome Crown Jewel is. And then we get Lashley versus Lesnar. Lashley comes out first, followed by Lesnar in his entrance. Lashley, with a blitz early, rushes Lesnar on the floor and actually injures his knee. Throwing him around the ringside area. Back inside, spear. Boom! Nope. Wait, the Hurt Lock then reversed into a German suplex. And another German suplex, the F5, but still no. Okay, this match started out hot and heavy with Bobby Lashley clearly on offense and dominating all the way through. So Bobby comes back, basically comes back from the suplex, sending him to the floor in a fireman's carry, and he puts the beast into the ring post. So then they get back inside. The hurt applied supplied in the middle of the ring. So after a bunch of very heavy Bobby Lashley offense on Lesnar, and Lesnar did not get anything in really, except for a few German suplexes in this match. But back inside the ring, the hurt lock is applied in the middle of the ring. Lesnar claws his way up to the turnbuckles and then basically um, accidentally unleashes and flips off of the turnbuckles, almost like Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from Survivor Series 96. So anyway, um, at this point, they're going back at it. Lesnar falls um, and basically on top of Lashley, and accidentally pins him while he's got the lock on. And then Lesnar wins by pinfall, reversing the hurt lock into a pin. And really it looked awkward and it came out of nowhere. And I was kind of like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And um, Lashley, you know, was interesting, right? Because he looked so dominant on this match despite Brock Lesnar getting the win and the pin. So post-match, just to ensue the point that they wanted to make, the WWE had Lashley put Brock back in the hurt lock again and chokes him to a more vivid shape of purple than normally for Brock. So basically, Lashley gets the beatdown on Brock post-match, and that leaves us to believe that there will be a part three. Okay, so Lashley beat Lesnar at the Royal Rumble last year. Now we got Lesnar beating Lashley despite a very heavy Bobby Lashley-dominated offense. I think we get the rubber match. We get part three very soon. So let's say, I don't know what kind of match that ends up being between these two, but I look forward to a really, really, really good, maybe a submission match or something crazy, right, that makes the other man tap out. These guys both have an MMA background. Maybe we can get a fight pit type match going on. Who knows? You guys be the judge. Let's get to our next match. So we got the Women's Tag Team Championship up next. We got Liv Morgan. We got a video package for her really briefly before the match. And then we got Alexa Bliss and Asuka who are interviewed backstage by Byron Saxton who is, uh, you know, looking amazing as always in his suits. And then um, Bliss says that you can't put them on the shelf for a few weeks and get rid of them. And this month's a retaliation coming to haunt damage control. Okay, so basically then right in the middle of that segment on the TV behind Alexa Bliss She gets briefly distracted by the Bray Wyatt logo that shows up on the TV She looks almost scared And then from there she gets back into her interview mode and continues And the fans are like, oh, and they got all into it So anyway, we go to the match This was um, Dakota Kai and, and um, Eo Sky versus, of course known as Damage Control Versus Alexa Bliss and Asuka And, you know, this is a match a lot of people really just got mad at kind of going into this match because, as you guys know, the titles were just won by Asuka and Bliss on Raw. And then tonight, of course, um, we got the titles by Damage Control won. Okay, so it was a lot of hot potatoes, people are calling it, of the titles. But really what we got into... Um, it's interesting because they're trying to get damage control over. And uh, shout out to uh, my friend on Twitter Carlos and uh, the people over at the Insight Wrestling Podcast but Carlos made a really good point on their show over there with John and Will and uh Bamba Girl. And basically what they got into was, you know, he was saying how you know damage control is really not over and I gotta agree 100% they are not over for some reason like I want to like them I like Bailey. I like these two ladies here but why are they just not over maybe and I liked Carlos's point I want to you know kind of give him credit for this maybe we need to do the Freebird rule with the defense of these titles with damage control adding Bailey into the mix kind of like what New Day did a few you know years ago so I like that idea but regardless, let's get into how Damage Control got the titles tonight. So Bliss and Kai start. Dakota is taking control with an arm bar. There's a whip to the corner and up and over. And um, basically, then there's a whip to the corner, up and over, and Alexa once more. So then, to the corner, there's an elbow up in the turnbuckles. They jockey for position, arm drag, reverse to a pin for a cover two. Trading places, quick pin, but no avail. Kai clocks her in the face. The whip reverse. Drop down works, and then Dakota puts her in the ropes and makes for the tag. Sky wants to slam, Bliss floats over and tags out, circling off the ropes. Eo with a lariat. Asuka returns the favor with a shoulder block and then quickly tags out. Double suplex. Sky lands on her feet, but the babyface team hits a bulldog slash facebreaker combo for the one and the two. Okay, tag back to Kai there's a drop kick that cuts her off Asuka gets it um, in knocking damage control off the ropes the stare um and then it basically baseball slides to the floor back inside Dakota uh, is working the legs tags into EO there's a dragon screw and Asuka is in in a bad way so tag the Bliss coming in lighting uh, two for one and then palm strikes and kicks and double drop kicks and lays them out, right? So this match goes on and on, and they're just going all over the place. It eventually leads to a spot with a tower of Doom in the corner. If you guys aren't aware, they're all stacked up in the corner, all the girls in the corner, and one big giant suplex to the floor. Very NXT style, and I like it with all these girls. So at this point, Later on in the match, we get a twisted bliss. We get a knees up, a match breaks down, Asuka steps aside an acai moonsault and hits the alarm clock. Alexa, with a DDT, up top, Nikki Cross runs in and trips uh, her up with the referee. And uh, AJ Pereira is occupied at this point. uh, And there's a hanging... DDT off the top rope and Kai with the cover. So, damage control wins with the WWE's tag team championship by pinfall with a lateral press from Dakota Kai and Alexa Bliss. So, it's interesting here, right? Because uh, we had some, you know, back and forth, some pretty good, you know, action overall. I didn't really hate the match. Um, I think we have to take away the element of how the women's titles don't really mean much right now. And I'm hoping that we could get Damage Control built back up to a point where maybe they can bring some relevancy to these titles. I would like to see this end up being like what they're doing with Toxic Attraction down in NXT with the ladies down there holding the tag titles. So maybe they can do the same thing with Damage Control up on the main roster. Now that we got, you know, some of the powers the beer are in control and hopefully get this thing back on track. Let's get to our next match. So our next matchup was a steel cage match. And this is the final confrontation between none other than Drew McIntyre and Carrion Killer Cross. So before that, we see Logan Paul arrive at the arena tonight. But then we get right into the steel cage being dropped and the match going on. So McIntyre starts out they Ducks of and if you remember, uh, these two have had matched a couple matches now, and the last one was really a hook-and-crook type situation with Scarlett spraying uh, Mace in the eyes of McIntyre. So just kind of keeping that in mind on this one to foreshadow. So we get a front kick in a and Drew takes him off his feet. Um, we chop and punches in the ropes. A big back suplex, and McIntyre is all fired up, carrying Uh, hits a throat thrust. She's looking to climb out while Drew is grasping, but he gets cut off. So Cross turns the tide again back to the floor, trading chops with McIntyre, smashing his face into the cage wall, kind of reminiscent of when he first showed up and slammed his his head into the the stairs on the outside. So he's choking him in the corner. Drew explodes with Larius with a belly-to-belly suplex, smashing, carrying into the steel cross gets under him there's a float over into the cage back elbow McIntyre hits a Michinoku driver for a one and a two right but up top jockeying for position Drew with the spire belly-to-belly superplex carry recovers and draws him up McIntyre smashes him into the steel fist and follows with a spine buster jackknife pin nope not done yet The cross jacket is in, but Drew rolls through into a sleeper of his own. McIntyre follows up with a snap DDT, a kip up and countdown, but Scarlett is on the cage running interference as we should suspect, right? That's what the managers do. That is what I like about the Scarlett and carry in combo that we get is we get an old school manager vibe and feel, right? It's not quite Rusev and Lana. It does have an old school vibe of a manager interfering appropriately And a good manager will make you realize that they're not there until they're actually meant to be shown. And I love that about Scarlett. So moving right back in, um, we get Scarlett opens the door basically for her guy. And then um, at this point, uh, she goes to walk through, but Drew cuts him off and he beats him down. And then she maces him, right? Going back to the what ties into the story they've been telling, which I like that look there. I like when stories make sense. She shuts it, she locks it, and she takes away the key this time. McIntyre climbs um, as she scrambles to unlock the door to let Karrion out then. So kind of as the match is rounding up, you got Drew climbing the cage, and you got Scarlet fumbling for the key to let Karrion cross out. And at this point, Just as she gets the door open, McIntyre is already barely almost out, and boom, Drew McIntyre wins barely by escaping the cage because killer, Camry Cross, could not make it out on time. Partially because Scarlett did not plan ahead when she locked that door. I don't think that's going to be the story they're going to go with here with it being her fault. But I do think this is a great way to end the match. No guy looked weak in this whole series, and each of these guys are borderline mid carters or excuse me, going to the main event. And I like the fact that both of them walk out of this feud looking strong, right? And so uh, Drew does get the win, right? In a babyface fashion. There will be other days for both of these guys. So I like that this is the roots of a rivalry that started to blend in now. Getting Kicking gears up into tag team action. We got the six-man tag team match with Judgment Day coming out and then the OC, a.k.a. the original club. So at this point, we see Roman Reigns in the Bloodline, of course, showing up in the background, uh, without Sami Zayn, and then we basically at this point get um, our six-man tag team match underway. So um, a lot of people feel that Judgment Day may be losing its edge. I think it's right on target. Um, I like the idea of this, you know, back and forth multi-man matches. Um, I like the original club idea. And the real talk here is AJ versus Finn, right? That's the match that everybody really kind of wants to see go at it. Damian Priest is good. Um, And so I like the fact that, you know, everything, uh, Dominique in Judgment Day, I'm okay with it. Some people are mixed, right? Some people like the idea of him in it. Some people don't. Um, Dominique, to me, still needs a lot of work. And when you have a superstar that needs a lot of work and needs to be groomed correctly, you either put them in a tag team or you put them in a faction. And I feel like this allows Dominic to stand on his own without his father and allows you to see him, but he still can blend into this group while he develops his very green and young skills, right? So at this point, we get the match going and underway. And we have Bal- Balor and Anderson start. There's a waist front kick back and forth. And then, um, you know, Michael Cole is talking about Carl being the never-open-weight championship, which is over in Japan, right? So we kind of get into that, which I was kind of surprised that they went there. That tells me the WWE is wanting to stay in the good graces of New Japan wrestling. I think they uh, possibly might have burned a little bit of a bridge or maybe a uh, forbidden door, if you will. And so I feel like, you know, that was them making a little bit of peace with New Japan by acknowledging their title. Something, mind you, that they didn't do for Tony Khan when he wanted to allow Billy Gunn to show up on DX reunion night. But we're not getting into that. So at this point, we got um, a lot of tags made back and forth. Styles is working Dominic over at this point. And then we have a backbreaker into the corner. And we have a tag to Gallows and the big man crushes the younger Mysterio. Uh, we have a big body slam off the top ropes for an elbow drop. Taking him to the turnbuckles with quick tags, back and forth, back and forth. And now, Judgment Day is clearly in control. We've got quick tags working um, machine gun over some length, and then he tags in loop. Gallows slinks Mysterio in, takes him out with a lariat. There's a backsplash, and he freight. Uh, basically, right through Dominic. There's a pumpable slam, tag back to Anderson. There's a magic killer blocked by Priest, and basically makes the save. So a very hot tag to AJ Styles, taking Balor and Priest out. Slingshot, sliding knee for Mysterio. Slingshot back inside. 1916, or excuse me, 619 reversed into a uragoshi, then uh, uh, with a figure four leg lock. And Carl breaks it up with a senton. Dom sends him running. And Gallows with the gas... Basically Gallows with the gas mask. Priest takes him out with a boot. Balor up top. AJ cuts him off. And soon enough, everybody's down and out. Rhea Ripley at this point in the match. Runs interference. Finn kicks Styles into the corner off the top rope. And at this point, what happens is Judgment Day wins by pinfall. With a coup de grace from Finn Balor on AJ Styles. So that continues the story. The one element that's missing for this that will go to Survivor Series is probably gonna be Edge and Beth Phoenix. They're gonna build towards something, promise you that. But wasn't the most highlighted match of the night, but it did its job before they got into a little bit of a break. Speaking of breaks, I just wanna say thank you guys. For the liking, the sharing, the subscribing, the simply just being my friend out there on Twitter even, right? So I want to shout out um, a couple things. I want to shout out the uh, fans of prowrestling.com and all the folks over there at the Insight Podcast with John, Will, Heather, Carlos. Enjoy your guys' work. I enjoy your guys' takes. And most importantly, I enjoy you know, just our overall interactions. Shout out to anybody in the community. I think I'm going to start doing shout outs on these videos at this point. But if you um, are new to the channel, go ahead and hit a like or subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. Let's move on. All right, we get to the Battle of the Monsters next. A very returning Braun Strowman versus Amos. And um, I will say, big men uh, start out, they're jawing face to face in the ring at each other. And Amos offers a test of strength and whipped Strowman hard into the corner. So, the test of strength, that was a very much like, you could tell he was looking at him and said, okay, Strowman, let's get these hands, right? Let's get these hands. So, um, it's amazing how much taller Almost is to Strowman, who is not a small man by any means. But I will say, this match did a really good job of a classic old-school big man battle. And they did a really good job of making Almost look Super strong in this match, right? So he didn't look like an easy foe. But they also wanted to keep their big man, Braun Strowman, strong as well. So I think they did a good job, um, pretty much tonight all around, with not making any one person look weak. So I got to applaud WWE for that booking. But after they do the test of strength, which had that very old-school 1980s, 1990s feel to it, I loved it. And at that point, um... You know basically almost cheats to get out of it and then in the corner um he hits a body avalanche she's off the ropes there's a hard kick to the ribs head butts cuts brawn off as he tries to come back one arm power slam on the monster among men Strowman powers up his right hands into the ropes the nigerian giant shrugs it off and takes uh two tries the clothesline basically tries two times basically to clothesline him out to the floor Braun, then, you know, he likes his little train, right? He likes his little Strowman Express, right? So he does that. And um, he does the express train going to the floor. And then there's a pounce block with a body avalanche. So basically, they kind of go out a little bit there. Then they go back inside looking for a choke bomb. Strowman blocks, almost throws him into the corner. Off the ropes, sidesteps the charge. Braun gets him up, and Strowman wins and the pinfall with a running power slam. It took him a little bit to get him up there, but once he got one running power slam down, one, two, three, the battle of the monsters is over, and Braun Strowman is your beast. Guys, I gotta say, it's the right call. Um, You know, Braun Strowman just came back, and he has already been a former WWE champion, and you gotta make your champions win here, right? Um, However... I liked what the WWE did with Amos tonight in this matchup. I liked that they made him look like a heck of a mountain um, to crawl for and climb for Braun Strowman. So I enjoyed the fact that they left Amos looking strong. And I do say that this big match, the big man match was usually the bathroom breaks, right? But at this point, I feel like they did a good job of keeping it effective, keeping it short and letting both guys shine. Where do we go from here? I'm going to say Braun Strowman is going to continue the big man moniker. Almost. I don't know what they're going to do with. Maybe these guys continue matchups, right? Maybe they add some more monsters, if you will, into the fold. Who knows? Maybe we can get a classic monsters ball match. I know that was famous for TNA days, but you guys are aware that Abyss, right? The, um, Monster, called Abyss from TNA, does work backstage with WWE. Maybe we can get a return of him in a Monsters Ball match with Braun and Amos and maybe a few other select guys. Who knows? But at the end of the day, you know, I think it was the right call here. Now we get into our Men's Tag Team Championship. We got the Usos of the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes. Pete, a.k.a. Butch Dunn and Ridge Holland. So, a.k.a. Sheamus's lackeys, right? It's kind almost like the battle of the, of the henchmen, if you will, right? We got Roman's henchmen versus Sheamus' henchmen. Now, I do want to say um, both of these teams looked really good in this match. This was a solid wrestling tag team match, and I was so glad to see it with some real tag teams with real names, not just Ridge and Butch, right? We have the Brawling Brutes, an actual tag team name, and they look alike. Versus the Usos. Okay, and I will say this. When's the last time the Usos have actually had a bad tag team match? We're going to keep that in mind here. I can't think of the last time they've had a bad tag team match on pay-per-view. So at that point, you know, we get the match started. And uh, Pete Dunne and Jimmy start out. And the Uso basically bails and he and his brother decide they're just going to walk off, but Butch cuts him off, and they kind of doing the heel thing, and Jimmy takes, uh, taking Jimmy back inside the ring with a bicep stomp. Jay tags in, and they put the boots to done with quick tags. Holland tags in, and now it's his turn to shine. There's a double back body drop. There's a beat of uh, the Bodren, but Jimmy saves his brother before all ten can actually land. So there's a lot of tributes tonight to Sheamus, who just got married over the weekend so in his home country so you know that's kind of why he was absent tonight so then back inside we have a bossman slam for two done and the Jay fights um, them off two for one Jimmy makes the save and then there's super kick set up and everybody you know do something cool section of the match right so we get to that point where everybody's just doing cool stuff okay at this point Butch is looking to wishbone Jimmy's fingers but Jay makes the save The Usos are up top, and there is a duo diving splashes, but Ridge breaks the pin up. Uh, Pete Dunne goes for Jay's injured wrist, which we don't know if it's storyline or if it's legit, but we do know it's a part of this matchup. So Holland hits the white noise while Butch has Jimmy trapped, but it's not enough. Assisted, North, Grit. Jimmy makes the save. Getting done up on top. The Usos win by pinfall in the end of this one. With an Avalanche 1D to retain the WWE Unified Tag Team Championships. This was a good match again. WWE did a good job of making both teams look strong. But however, nobody's taking this title away from the Usos for a little while. And it's sure not going to happen at Crown Jewel tonight. So at this point... We have the men's tag team in the books. They're going to come in. It's not the last we're going to see of the Usos tonight, though. Let's move on. So now we have the Raw Women's Championship. And I want to remind you, this is a women's last standing match. So a last women's standing match. We get um, a Cody Rhodes package, which I find is interesting. I went back and watched the replay and it wasn't there. But it's interesting that WWE is showing stuff, and they kind of cut that out of the editing for some reason. So Bailey, Bianca Belair, come out. Bianca's Bailey's entrance was regular, or excuse me, Bailey's entrance was a normal entrance, but Bianca got the full treatment. Probably one of the best entrances of the night so far. She got um, hieroglyphics in the sky. She got fireworks out of the stadium. I get it. The WWE machine is all behind. Bianca Belair and you know what she's coming along very nicely in her role so at this point who's going to take away the strap and the title is Bailey going to win is she going to do the toxic attraction thing with her group damage control let's find out so if we start out Bailey shoves Belair down and demands an immediate count 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 nope not that quick it's not going to happen that quick but that's what Bailey wants so at this point um uh, this is going to be you know, an interesting matchup. Bianca, uh, hits a couple slams, a total, I believe of three before passing the role, uh, the role model to the floor, letting the referee count back inside. Bailey brings a chair with her moonsaults up and over Belair and drop kicks her into the chair. Okay. Bailey now has a ladder and she slides in the ring, but ends up fighting near the steps. Suplex on the floor. She puts Bianca in the chair and nails her with a diving lariat off the barricade. Bailey sets up a table, but Belair recovers, suplex blocked, right hand suplex on the ramp. So this table's sitting at ringside. Bailey stumbles to the edge of the ramp, seemingly injuring her leg, but it was a ruse, and she explodes with a forearm. Back in the ring, while up in the champion with the chair to the floor, Bianca. Um, trapping bianca inside the steps with the ladder over her head so this is a point in the match where bianca was actually trapped in between the ring and the steps and she couldn't move or do anything and this was bailey's chance to just wail on her right and just start cracking her while she was trapped on the outside there so at this point um bianca powers up and throws the steps up and off the ground they're trying to show bianca's strength right Uh, Spinebuster then puts the challenger into the steel steps and fighting up the ramp. is hammering Bailey with the kendo stick shots back and forth, right? Splintering the wood of the kendo sticks. Bailey to belly on the stage and both women at this point are down. Bailey rams her with the road case um, and traps her basically in it. So there's a uh, equipment case that comes, it's hanging around on the stage and it's wide open. She actually runs her over with it and Bailey falls in the equipment case. And at that point, Bailey slams it shut and traps Bianca inside it. So, this is a point where I thought it was a very good, heelish move by Bailey. And if they wanted to do a title change tonight, this would have been the way it should have been done. Locking her in a box where she can't stand up. That would be very genius way to change a title without making bianca look weak right it almost like bailey cheated but she didn't so at this point bailey fights out of it or uh, basically bianca pops up out of the box and fights out bailey then uh puts the uh, arm trap crossface on the stage uh she's wrenching it back and Belair fades as she lets go bianca makes the count And here comes the role model, basically Bailey, driving a golf cart from wherever in the backstage. And I couldn't help but when she was trying to run Bianca over with the golf cart. There was a point where Bianca almost got up too quick and she was kind of like, no. It reminded me of the old Austin Powers movie where, you know, there was the guy, the henchman with the steamroller, and he kept screaming, no, like five times in a row, and the steamroller was going really slow over him. That's what it reminded me of a little bit tonight. But it was so brief. I don't know if anybody would have noticed it overall. So at this point, uh, they go on, and she stops. They fight on the golf cart. They actually get on top of the golf cart, and they start fighting on top of the golf cart. And at this point... Bianca gets the better of it, um, leaving Bailey on top of the golf cart and driving her from the on the roof all the way back to the ring. And then she ends up uh, throwing her off the edge of a table when she gets back down there. So the referee's counting, and Belair decides to get under, um, power bomb through the table. And at this point, the referee's counting again, and Bailey makes the count. Back inside the ring, the body slam into some chairs, stacking more chairs on Bailey. And up top there's a 450 splash and nobody's home and Bianca totally eats the chairs for breakfast Belair beats the count Bailey opens up a ladder and hits her with some chair shots Bianca recovers the kiss of death onto the chair she rolls the challenger into the ladder and actually closes the ladder on her pushing it into the corner so she can't get up and she can't escape Bailey is trapped Bailey can't get up and Bianca Belair wins through that kind of a measure so, she wins when Bailey can't answer the 10 count, despite being very um, wide awake and able to. And she retains the Raw Women's title. So, Bianca Belair finds a way to walk away from the Women's Last Woman Standing match. At this point, we get the special attraction of the evening, Bray Wyatt. And um, this actually happens. Bray comes out to his entrance. We get it's on the mic. And some might say, um, you know, that this is, some people feel like this is starting to run its course. I feel like it's just beginning, right? And so um, you had to have Bray White on Crown Jewel. He's one of the hottest things going on right now. So he gives a speech, and he gives a speech of, you can tell in his speech that Bray is struggling. And I want you guys to think about this. If you get some time, go back and watch those White Rabbit scan codes before we knew it was bray wyatt right but watch them now that we know it is bray wyatt and it was leading to his return there's a lot of things and there's one that i thought about tonight that i watched it was the hangman one with the rabbit and remember that rabbit before it's the hangman answer to the question was who killed the world you did right but the rabbit in its wrong answers spells the word demon That makes a lot of sense now that we know what Bray Wyatt is dealing with. He's dealing with his demons, his demons of his life. This has a very strong parallel in this story to somebody that is dealing with personal demons. The WWE comes up with a storyline once in a while that connects to a real audience member. And if anybody's ever struggled with some kind of personal demons... I feel like this storyline can reach out to them and be a part of, you know, maybe an inspiring uh, story to tell. So you can tell Bray is trying to change for the better. But Uncle Howdy shows up once again and basically tells him why wear the mask. Why to take the mask off. You know, you're going to eventually get there anyway. Just keep the mask on. Despite Bray wanting to be just Bray Wyatt. So at that point, we get to the end. And that's the end of the segment, right? So at this point, um, we're going to keep this going. We're going to get further and further and further with the Bray Wyatt mystery. I like how we're getting tastes along the way. And who is Uncle Howdy? More importantly, let's think about what that meant tonight with Alexa Bliss seeing the Bray Wyatt logo in her interview. It's all going to come and be clear very soon. But now, and up next, is the main event. The Universal Championship match. We've got Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. And out first is none other than the Maverick, Logan Paul. It's his third match ever in the WWE or the world of wrestling. And he's going to get... A title shot against one of the modern-day best champions of the current era. So Logan makes his way out to the ring on a big platform. He's doing selfies. He's streaming live for his podcasting and his YouTubing. But as the platform lowers, Logan goes to the ring, celebrates, and then we get the entrance of the real... Universal Champion Roman Reigns along with Paul Heyman and you know as JR used to say business is about to pick up and the question remains not a matter of will Roman retain but how much of a challenge will Logan Paul be to Roman Reigns one of the greatest performers of the modern era And so with that, Roman makes his way to the ring. He's got the title. He's remembering the promo that Paul Heyman told him of the puncher's chance. That's what they're really selling is one lucky punch. And Roman wants to prove that his Superman punch is that lucky punch. So we get into the match at this point. And I do want to say... It didn't disappoint at all, guys. This was probably my favorite match of the night. And I think it's because maybe our expectations was lower, right? I feel that Shawn Michaels did some really great work with Logan Paul. Logan Paul did a lot of great work training. And I also feel like the WWE did a really good job of giving him that true underdog puncher's chance storyline. So at this point... Um, we start off the match. There's some circling between the two. There's a collar, lockup, and an elbow. Reigns then shoves him into the corner and laughs, throwing, basically throwing the one up. Back to the lockup. This time in the corner, Paul shoves him and gets in his face. A shoving match breaks out, and Logan's feeling a little risky, and Roman uh, with a go-behind. And then standing switch, a waistlock takedown from the challenger. Reigns, with a standing switch, takes down his own. A fireman's carry from Paul gets him a big slice into the right. Roman ducks the punch and takes a breather on the floor. Back inside, Logan tells the tribal chief to stop running. Reigns pushes him into the corner. There's a dirty break with a right hand and then a whip across. A big back elbow lays him out. There's a straight suplex, a cover, and an overhead elbows. A body blows from Paul. Roman is off the top ropes. The shoulder block, The hip toss, And Reigns is starting to worry. A lot of chain wrestling at this point. A clothesline sends the champion over the top ropes to the floor. Logan follows out to the floor after him. And throws him over the timekeeper's barricade. Paul then throws a cross body off the barricade. Throwing Reigns back inside. There's a buckshot lariat and takes him off the feet. Nope. Superman punch. Boom. Takes Logan down. And takes Roman and gives him a breather. He's putting boots to him, reins, and basically a half camel clutch. He's talking trash. And it's nice touch using the camel clutch in Saudi Arabia. I like that. So trash talking. Telling Paul that there ain't going to be no more YouTubers coming around. Logan powers out of it. Roman whips him the sidestep and then basically sidesteps the charge and then at that point both men are down slowly rising to their feet trading shots Paul with the lariat and a back elbow knocking Reigns down a scoop lift float over into the corner a back elbow a diving blockbuster but still no guys this is a good matchup this was a good one on one back and forth and I like what these two men did in the ring. There wasn't a lot of distractions with other members until about midway, maybe three quarters way into the match. So at this point, we're getting there. So uh, the crowd's getting fired up. There's a diving cross body that sets up a standing moonsault and so close. Logan is just tasting it. He's tuning up the band a la Shawn Michaels style. That's why they were showing him training with Shawn. He's doing sweet chin music. Roman rises, he blocks the super kick, and he hits a rock bottom. Shades of The Rock, his cousin. And he can't quite keep Logan Paul down. So, calling for it, Paul sidesteps the Superman punch. The lucky punch is hit, and Roman is stumbling, and his jaw is hurting. Another punch. Roman Reigns will not lose to this YouTube person in this third match ever. To the floor. Setting reins up on the announcers' desk. Paul takes selfies with his crew at ringside, and he goes up top with the camera. And there's a cross body block off of the table, um, right through the announcers' table. Right. We've seen a little bit of this kind of stuff at Summerslam with the Miz, but this was a great spot as well. The Usos then hit the ringside area. At this point, this is where it starts breaking down, and they pull Logan's pals out in front of the row. They beat them up. Jay takes one in the ring and lays him out with a super kick. Jimmy brings the other one, um, and he eats a super kick too. Jake Paul then makes the save for his brother, uh, with all the extra interference. He drops both of the Usos with really, really bad punches. Um, at that point, he throws Roman back in the ring for his brother and tells Logan, finish this up, right? So at this point, um... Reigns kicks out of a frog splash from Logan Paul to the top. Solo Sokoa evens the odds, coming down to the ring with his music. And at this point, referees and people backstage come down to moderate and Logan slides back in and then boom Superman Punch. Lays him out with a roaring crowd. Roman Reigns, one, two, three after the spear. Okay, and at that point, Universal Champion still. The Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. The bloodline stands tall at the end of this one like we knew they would. But at the end of the day, Logan Paul did really good in the match. Um, It came out that he actually did hurt his knee, his meniscus, his ACL. Really just shredded everything. And um, he's going to be out for a while. And so, unfortunately, while he had a good match... He definitely um, paid the price of battling Roman. So what I want to really talk about is um, the ability of the WWE to promote a match with a famous YouTuber and make it be believable against Roman Reigns. I thought that was done really well. And so let's get into our final thoughts. And with that, Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel did a good job today. There was no really bad matches. Even what I thought was going to be a bad match was actually done very efficiently, right? There was nothing I hated. Some matches just moved the story along. And I feel like that was the purpose of Crown Jewel, was to put off a good enough show with some stars, but keep the story moving. Keep getting back to normal business, and we're going to be pushing straight into Survivor Series, where we're really going to start building for WrestleMania. Okay, everybody feels that Royal Rumble builds to WrestleMania. No, I feel Survivor Series plants the seeds of the fuse that we might see, right? So that's where we're heading. Crown Jewel did deliver tonight. There was not anything in the match. Um, I'm going to take away my thoughts of the women's tag titles, you know, jumping around too much. But at the end of the day, the match itself was not bad. Um, The matches that I didn't care for were short enough to where they didn't stay around long enough to where I just didn't like them. So kudos to the WWE and the booking team for getting that done tonight at Crown Jewel. We got the job done, and now they can get back to the regular scheduled programming. Um, I do want to say, Logan Paul did his job really well tonight, and Roman, shout out, did his job really well tonight. So I also want to kind of just mention, like I said in the beginning, it's not about winning the championship for logan paul it was about winning the crowd and this was a win the crowd moment that the fans will remember okay this kind of reminds me of um with him getting injured that just adds icing to the cake this kind of like when cody rhodes hurt himself with the pectoral tear and still finished the match logan paul finished that match tonight with his injuries so again third match ever not bad for the wwe in his rookie year So kudos to Logan Paul, kudos to the bloodline, the right choice was made, and now we can build to bigger and better things as we're approaching WrestleMania season. Speaking of bigger and better things, I just want to say thank you to all you guys out there and for liking, sharing, subscribing, and being part of the channel. It's not goodbye around here. Like we always say, it's game over.